turn your chairs around. <clears throat> Let me just strepsil up one more. Okay, here's where we go with this, all right? You've got to admit that religion causes a lot of harm. And religion as such, there's so many difficulties involved with religion. And a lot of it sometimes is because of the exclusive claims made by religious leaders. But, but everyone in some way makes exclusive claims. And this is how people say you should uh, deal with religion. Some people just say, look, remove it, get rid of it. Um, Alistair McGrath, in a book I've got, if anyone wants to borrow it, which is a history of atheism, says this, the 20th century gave rise to one of the greatest and most distressing paradoxes of human history, that the greatest intolerance and violence of that century were practiced by those who believed that religion caused intolerance and violence. In other words, that's like somebody saying, I believe in peace and love, and if you disagree with me, I'm going to beat you up. It's a, that's, in effect, what happened. That You look at the 20th century, there's another book by a man called Niall Ferguson, uh, called history of basically it's a history the world at war or the war of the world it's called rather and its subtitle is history's century of hatred and that is uh, that's what happened when people try to remove religion from it altogether the, the idea if we get rid of religion the world's just going to be one happy fun dozy place is just not um, doesn't isn't borne out by any evidence whatsoever the second is the idea of re-educating people. In other words, you get a lot of that in university. Uh, where, where you'll have some of your lecturers and others who'll think, oh, you know, these poor, dumb religious people, because of the way they've been brought up, and let's just teach them the truth. Now, it's interesting for people who don't believe in truth, but sometimes you'll get that. And it's considered unenlightened and politically incorrect to make exclusive claims. Now, the, the, the argument about all religions being the same, that's self-evident nonsense. Is a religion which requires child sacrifice the same as a religion which requires us to love children? You know, I mean, obviously, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and it would be incredibly ignorant to say that. It is illogical and immoral to say that all religions are the same. Now, this is, uh, this is quoting from Keller's book. He says this, Ironically, the insistence that doctrines do not matter is really a doctrine itself. It holds a specific view of God, which is touted as superior and more enlightened than the beliefs of most major religions. So the proponents of this view do the very thing they forbid in others. In other words, what they are doing is they are holding out their belief and their exclusive truth claim and saying, this is it. It's the, the old story of the blind men and the elephant. And if you ever hear this illustration, I've heard it so many times from people. Well, you know, religions are like six blind men in a room with an elephant. Now, honestly, it's, you think Christians are boring sometimes with their illustrations. This, I've heard this argument almost everywhere I go. And basically, the elephant is God, or the elephant is religion, or the elephant is the truth. But the blind men, one man's kind of pulling the tail, and the other is pulling the trunk, and the other is squeezing the leg. You know, and so what, what they do with that is they then say, well... That's what religion is like. You know, the Muslims are doing this, and the Christians are doing this. And those, you know. But as Andrew so brilliantly pointed out, and I'm glad he thought of it for himself, <laughs> is you, how do you know that unless you know that there's a whole elephant? 
unless you're the person who's claiming to see the whole elephant. See, that's the, that's the point of the, the point of the illustration is it becomes really quite self-defeating. And in actual fact, Christians can go along with that illustration to some degree. Because we could say, for example, when a Muslim says there is one God, we could say yes. We could say that when a Hindu says it's a responsibility to help the poor, we could say yes. Of course. There, of course there is truth in other religions. But what we are actually claiming is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's very, very, very important. Um, is religion not just social conditioning? This is where the kind of ridicule uh, often comes in as well. Does it not depend on where you were born? Now, the simple answer to that is to say to the person who says that to you, that's true to some degree, but it's also true of you. In other words, you're much more likely to be a skeptical secularist if you've been brought up in a skeptical secular society. That's the whole point. You're, you, you know, you're educated in schools. In actual fact, one of the big things that's very, very interesting is it, it, this is now almost beyond dispute. There have been several very significant studies by child psychologists and others recently who have been arguing that, that children are innate creationists or innate theists. In other words, they, in, as a child, you innately believe in God. And what you have to do, and Richard Dawkins argues this, is you have to argue the child out of that. It's a throwback. It's, a, it's um, a, a, an evolutionary twist. And you need to educate children not to believe. Now, that's, a very, that's something, actually, that the, the Bible says. By instinct, we know that there is a God. But you kind of get educated, if you like, out of it. So the social engineering goes on in many different ways. Uh, Alvin Plantinger, who's a... If you're into philosophy, he's a great Christian philosopher. He's really heavy going and does my head in. But um, this is a great sentence he claims. People who make this kind of claim are, are saying this. All claims about religions are historically conditioned except the one I'm making right now. And that is really arrogant. Or as Keller again puts it, if you insist that no one can determine which beliefs are right and wrong, why should we believe what you're saying? Because if nobody can say what beliefs are right and wrong, why should we believe what you're saying? It just makes it very, very difficult. The other thing that people do with religion is they say, all right, all right, believe what you want. Most people are like this. You know, believe what you want, just keep it private. Don't obsess. Don't put up posters. Don't bring it into education. Don't bring it into politics. We don't do God. Remember Alistair Campbell said that when Tony Blair was asked about him praying? We don't do God. Keep it private. But the trouble again there is that faith affects everyone's life. Because of Jesus Christ, I can't just accept that, well, people are going to be poor and die. Who cares? I can't accept that. Faith affects my life in every single way. And when people talk about universal values, they'll say, well, we just believe in values. Well, where do you get your values from? Secularism doesn't mean no religion. It just means a different kind of religion. Let's go on to the next slide, please, Calm. Okay. Now, this is where the Christian thing comes in. We're not claiming a unique religion as such. We are claiming the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Um, Ephesians 4, let me just read that to you, verses uh, 5 and 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now you see how the all is for everybody. 
but there's one God. There are not many gods for different people. There is one God for all. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What we as Christians claim is not we know it all, because we don't. And if you're a growing and mature Christian, you will more and more realize how ignorant you are. But what we're saying is that Jesus Christ is the way, that we don't just make up our own personal religion. We don't just grope our way blindly to some vague kind of God. But we believe that God has revealed himself, not because we are good, but he's revealed himself because he is good. Now, what does all that mean? Let's go on to the last one. I think, please, Carl. Next one. Okay. Number one. It means because, precisely because we believe there is one God, precisely because we believe that Jesus Christ is God, that we respect people from other faiths without accepting all that they believe. We accept that people from other faiths may live more moral lives than us. For example, I've, I've met people who said, you know, I've really begun to doubt my Christian faith because my Muslim neighbors are better people than some Christians I know. Well, wait a minute. We're not moralists. That may well be the case in terms of what you observe and in terms of what you see. That may well be the case. You don't know their hearts. They don't know yours. But the point is this. That precisely because we are Christians and we believe in the one God who created all, we respect people no matter who they are. Whether you're walking down the street tomorrow and there's a guy lying there begging or someone shooting up or someone who's a prostitute or whatever. There's still somebody who's made in the image of God. And it's precisely because you believe that, that you can respect people and you can accept people. I was asked this question at Edinburgh University about, uh, someone said, well, how can you uh, love your Muslim neighbor when you believe that Jesus is the only way? And the illogicality of that question didn't appear to grasp her mind. And I said, you really think that loving your Muslim neighbor is to say your faith is just as valid as mine? So that's not loving if it's not true. You know, it, it, the, the greatest thing that the Muslims in this country need and in every country need is they need to know Jesus Christ. You know, and we were talking in our wee group with the children about us, what's causing the fighting in Gaza? Is it nationalism? Is it the Jews hate the Muslims? What, what is it? I tell you, the one thing that was guaranteed to cease the fighting in Gaza is if the people who were doing the fighting came to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Because you do not take revenge. You do not kill. You don't beat up, beat up people for Jesus. That's just one thing that you don't do. You respect people. And I would absolutely, by the way, this kind of whole Islamophobic thing. Don't be afraid of, of, of Muslims. And I mean, I was asking the children, you've got Muslims in your school. How would you treat them? The same as everybody else. Exactly. That's the point. Exactly. And uh, we, because we know who we believe, then we can show respect to other people without agreeing with what they're saying. Number two, um, we need to reveal. Now, I'm sorry about the alliteration. What I mean by that is we seek to bring Jesus Christ to people from other faiths. We know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We care for people from other faiths. And you, I, I mean, pleading with those of you who are Christians to just accept this and to, to, to make it your life's goal to see the gospel coming in different cultures in different ways. You know, I, I mentioned this morning Ramat Hussein. Ram, Ramat is probably going to have to come back from this, from India. His native country, 
because his life has been under such threat. Now, Ramat is a descendant of Muhammad. He's a literal descendant of Muhammad. He's only alive because of that. He's become a marvelous, marvelous Christian. And, uh, you know, if you were to say to him, well, all religions are basically the same and, you know, we must respect it, he would just look and he would just say, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're saying. Because it's uh, his purpose in life. And he's prepared to die for it, to bring Jesus Christ to his own people. And we want to, because, precisely because we love people from different backgrounds, whatever their religion, that we want them to know Jesus Christ. Number uh, C, revere. Uh, that's just simply, because there is one God, we need to know, love, serve, and worship this one God. The minute you start saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus, or um, I watched a clip. It's, it's quite funny. The guy's name came up this morning, Joel Osteen. I watched, I'm sadly, I watched a clip of him this afternoon because I typed in to Google about one God, and he came up. And Joel was saying this. He was asked on television, Larry King, he was asked, do you, you, know, do you believe there's one God and so on? Uh, and do you believe you know, one way through Jesus? I personally believe that, but uh, God will be the judge and all this kind of stuff. And he, he was not prepared to say and I just thought, you know, if you believe, if you believe that, well, I've got my personal belief in my personal savior, but he's not anybody else's really. It's just my personal belief. Who cares? It's not that God is not worthy of worship, but the one true God is worthy of worship. The whole Bible is shot through with God saying, stop being such idolaters. Stop making up your own images of me, whether they're literal images or mental images. We need to know, love, serve, and worship this one God. And that's the fourth thing is really we need to reject idolatry, putting other things in his place. Because if God is not on the throne in your life, then you are or something else is going to be. And then we need reunion. We need to be united in Christ. One of the greatest anti-apologetics is the way that Christians fight, fight, and fight amongst ourselves. John 14, verses 20 to 23, just, Jesus just simply says, may they be one as, as you and I are one. He's talking about God the Father. And we'll see next week when we look at the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we are united in Christ. We worship the same Christ. We're not united because we have the same forms of worship or because we're from the same cultural background or because we like each other. We are united because we worship Jesus Christ. And uh, I think that is so, so, so important. Okay, we're going to leave it at that. I, I, what's that, Imogen? Oh, yes, sorry, I did promise you. Um, we are going to leave it at that. I was asked, and I did say I would say something about this. Um, what is, when we're made in the image of God, if it means we're not, God doesn't have a body, then what does that mean we're made like? Well, um, in the catechism later on, it comes knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. God is personal. We're personal. God is holy. We are to be holy. God knows right and wrong. We are to be able to choose the right and the wrong. We are, God is relational, and the Trinity will see that. We uh, are uh, to be relational as well. And I come back to what we said last week, where it's just this, this one God is so great and so glorious and so wonderful. He's not limited to our tribe and not limited to our church, not limited to our group. He's to be shared with the whole uh, world. And may God enable us 
to do so. We're going to finish singing. Mark, I'll let you.